Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. And today we'll be joined by the former quarterback of the Washington football team, Alex Smith, as he details how close he came to actually playing this year upon his visit to Urban Meyer, his former college coach in Jacksonville, and also breaks down the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Keep in mind that Alex Smith was in the same draft class as Aaron Rodgers. In fact, in that draft throughout the offseason, most mock draft experts had Aaron Rodgers going number one to San Francisco. And then somewhere along the way, a couple of weeks before the draft, somehow it switched and Alex Smith slid into that first slot ahead of Aaron Rodgers, changing the course of history and almost taking us to where we are today with Aaron Rodgers in Hawaii, at least he was recently, with his fiancée, Shailene Woodley, and the actor Miles Teller. But we are quickly approaching a key date, the next key date, in the Aaron Rodgers stalemate with the Green Bay Packers. And that would be on June 8th, Wednesday, June 8th, because that is the day when the Packers begin their three-day mandatory minicamp. And I would say right now, we should not expect Aaron Rodgers to be at that three-day mandatory minicamp. And if and when he's not there, as I would expect, then at that point in time, the Green Bay Packers will have the option of fining him $93,085 for missing all three days of the mandatory minicamp. And it breaks down like this, $15,515 for missing the first day, $31,030 for missing the second day and $46,540 for missing the third day grand total of just over $93,000. And it's not the money that matters to Aaron Rodgers in this particular case. It's more the principle. And I think it would further inflame the relationship between the two sides if the Packers went ahead and fined him for missing those days of mandatory minicamp, which is why not only do I expect Aaron Rodgers to miss the mandatory minicamp, but I will not be surprised if the Green Bay Packers in advance proactively say that they are excusing Aaron Rodgers from the three-day minicamp, that is the situation that would make the most sense. Now, I don't know if they ultimately will do that, but again, that's my prediction in advance is that the Packers will wind up excusing him. Therefore, avoiding the confrontation and further inflaming that situation while giving Aaron Rodgers more time with the hope that eventually he'll decide to come back to Green Bay. But that is the next Aaron Rodgers date on the timeline here with the Green Bay Packers. Meanwhile, we continue to wait for Julio Jones to be traded, and we are expecting that to happen any day now. In fact, I would think it happens this week. And again, there's not a ton of interest in paying the Falcons what they want. Everybody agrees the guy is a future Hall of Fame receiver, still one of the top wideouts in the game today, only 32 years old, doesn't practice a lot, has had ankle injuries, all sorts of nagging, lingering pains, and all sorts of lingering pains throughout his body. But again, there's been some interest, but not as much as you might think, certainly not, at what the Falcons are requesting in return. So we will see where Julio winds up going 
to me, the Tennessee Titans do make the most sense. Not saying the Titans will get it done, but they lost Corey Davis, they lost John o. Smith. They have a hole. Arthur Smith, the Falcons head coach, came from Tennessee. It would be out of the conference that the Falcons would be trading him if they decided to send him to the Titans. Julio would be an Alabama guy joining Derrick Henry, another Alabama guy, giving the Titans a formidable combo there in Tennessee. So we'll see how the Julio Jones saga shakes out this week, but I do think he'll wind up being traded from the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, last week we had the re and of course, last week we had the announced retirement of the former Colts kicker, Adam Vinatieri, who in my mind is the single greatest kicker in NFL history and will be a first ballot future pro football hall of famer guy is off the charts. And really, if you just look at the numbers and what he's done, the numbers speak to his place in history. He scored more points, 2,693, than any player in NFL history. Think about that. More points than anyone. The idea of the game is scoring, and this guy scored more than anybody. Kicked more field goals, 599, than any player in history. Attempted more field goals than any player in history, 715. Made the most field goals in NFL postseason history, 56. The most postseason points. 238. Nobody scored more in the regular season. Nobody scored more in the postseason. And when we think about the biggest kicks in the history of the game, Adam Vinatieri made them. He made them. Made a game-winning kick to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. Really launched the Patriots dynasty with the single greatest field goal that I've ever seen in the snow against the Raiders to help beat Oakland at that time and help propel the Patriots onto what would become their first Super Bowl title and the start of the dynasty. Adam Vinatieri made that happen, was an unbelievable kicker, did it in New England, did it in Indianapolis. And I remember the shock when he left New England. Like, he didn't see players in the prime of their career leave the way that Adam Vinatieri did, but he moved on, was equally great in Indianapolis. And this guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer in my mind. And the other issue that went under the radar last week, very quietly out of the NFL owners meetings was a change to the NFL schedule. Now, I don't know how many people noticed this, but the NFL has done an unbelievable job at turning everything into events. The release of the schedule, which we've known about the games for months, for years, that now turns into a nightly primetime special. Well, the NFL always had this huge day when there are more roster moves made than at any other time all year long, where rosters have to get down from 90 players to 55. And so they would cut 35 players per team, 32 teams. You're talking about 1,120 transactions. And they always would be made on the Friday and Saturday of Labor Day weekend as college football was underway and people were focused in on the college games. And the NFL did a very smart thing this past week. It moved the final cutdown day to the Tuesday prior to the start of the first week of the regular season. And so that means that on August 31st, rosters will have to be trimmed. 
to 53 players, as they always were. But again, the bigger thing is that all these moves will come on a Tuesday, the Tuesday prior to Labor Day weekend. So rather than all these moves and transactions getting lost amidst college football and everybody's enjoying the last weekend of the summer, the NFL moved it to a date, Tuesday, August 31st, in which once again, it will control the calendar on that day and begin to set the table for the start of the new season. Now, I love it also because Labor Day weekend always was a ruined weekend for me. I'd be sitting in my office the entire time. You'd be tracking these transactions. It wreaked havoc with that weekend. So now NFL teams can finalize their rosters, make all their trades, make all their moves. And, and guys like me, NFL reporters, can go enjoy Labor Day weekend for a little bit. Uh, my daughter now is 12. She'll be 13, almost 13 at that time. Basically, I've never had a nice Labor Day weekend with her in my entire life. It's the way it goes. Labor Day weekend always was celebrated by laboring. But by moving back or up the cut dates to a Tuesday, now Labor Day can be a day of enjoyment with the family, which, again, never has happened in my 30-plus years covering the NFL. All right, before we get into today's episode, I have a few things I want to share with you. First off, for all you basketball fans, the NBA playoffs are all the talk right now, and who better to give you all those insider details than the Woj Bomb creator himself, my friend, my colleague, Adrian Wojnarowski with the Woj Pod. Great pod. Get your NBA news straight from the source as Woj is joined by the biggest names in the game. Download and follow the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Also, the Ultimate Fighters back, the reality show that brings top MMA prospects together under one roof to compete for a UFC contract is on ESPN+. Featherweight champ Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega coach men's bantamweights and middleweights who've put their lives on hold for the chance to pursue their UFC dreams. Stream new episodes every Tuesday only on ESPN+. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com backslash UFC. And now for our guest this week, the former quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, Washington football team, the former number one overall draft pick in the same draft that produced Aaron Rodgers, the man who won the NFL's comeback player of the year last year, coming back from an injury that required 17 surgeries, jeopardized his career, and really some wonder whether he'd be able to keep his leg, the great Alex Smith. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's 
BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. It's our pleasure today to be joined by the former veteran NFL quarterback, Alex Smith, who's brought to us by UFOS. Did I say that correctly, Alex? You got it. You got it. After a few times, it, it, it took me to get to that. And UFOS has helped you with your performance and recovery. It's a shoe wear company, right? What, what do I need to know about UFOS before we get busy here today? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a recovery footwear company. And um, it, it's a crazy story. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be able to dive into it a little bit. But it's, it's a company that I, I was, I was kind of into as far as wearing it way before my injury. And then, and then obviously, throughout my, my recovery after you know, my, my leg injury, it was something that became integral into kind of my, my daily routine. And so it's, uh, it's so crazy to kind of end up being partnered with them now and, and uh, pumped to be talking with you about it. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate taking the time. We will come back to them at the end. But I do want to know, now that you've announced your retirement, what is next for you? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm still kind of getting used to, to even just saying it every time I, I say it. Uh, it still feels a little weird, still kind of trying it on, you know, um, being retired. <laughs> and a little bit it hasn't set in. Yeah, you know, it's it's we're still in May. Uh, for me, this has been pretty similar to the last couple off seasons in the sense there hasn't been an off season for me uh, the last two years. So it, it doesn't feel that abnormal right now. You know, I'm I'm interested to see. Obviously, come this fall, I, I think it's only going to be natural uh, that that uh, it'll it'll be weird. You know, every fall I've been in a training camp for the last shoot almost 25 years of my life. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's to be expected that there'll be some, uh, there'll be an adjustment period, but, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to, to what's ahead. You know, I, I haven't made any decisions. Um, you know, so kind of, I think getting a lay of the land and, and, uh, trying to take in, take in all, as much information as I can before I make a decision. I've always thought that's strange though, because here you are at the age of 37, you've done this, as you mentioned, since you were 12 years old and all of a sudden something that's been such a major part of your life, no longer is such a major part of your life. You don't have to train. You don't have to gear up for the season. It's a total change in perspective and attitude. And I'm wondering what kind of feedback you've gotten on that and what type of expectations you have now that you've begun to meet the reality of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think two big things. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones is I, I've, been part, I've been part of a team. I've been part of right. the team for, you know, 25, 25 years. And, and with that, the structure of the team, the routine, you know, especially come the fall, even, even the, the, the year to year cycle of off season, in season, you know, my family has lived that kind of heartbeat. Hmm. Um, you know, that's all my kids have known. And, and obviously that's coming to an end. Uh, so I think there will be adjustment there. I think the other thing is, as you said it, I, I never expected to play 16 years in the NFL. Hmm. And for that reason, I've, I've put off the whole question that, that most, you know, early adults have to answer is like, what, what the heck do they want to do with their life? You know, like I, that right. for me, football just, I've been lucky enough, kept going. And, and, you know, I have all these interests and curiosities and it's like, when I, I am here, I am, I'm 37 and I got to finally, I got to, I got to face this, this puzzle uh, now where most people, I think, obviously have faced it in their early twenties and, and, you know, kind of figured it out and I'm doing it much later in life and three kids. And so, uh, trying to juggle all that, I, you know, I feel, I feel well prepared for it as, as much as anybody can. Um, but again, like I said, just, uh, right now, just kind of gathering as much information as I can before I, I you know, make any kind of decisions. 
Okay, so gathering information, gathering information about coaching, gathering information about broadcasting, gathering information. Like, what are we? What are the options available? You could do anything you want, but what what interests you? I, I, a ton of interests in, in football and 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 not football. Uh, let, we can go ahead and take coaching off the table at this point. <laughs> I think my, my my wife my wife would kill me uh, if if that was a route I pursued uh, from the home life. And and really, you know, the point of me retiring. You know, I, I, I did seriously think about keep playing, keep playing and had opportunities out there. But for me, it really was about spending time with my family. My kids are at an amazing age uh, to go do a lot. Um, incredibly impressionable. And, and I think here in a few years, all of a sudden they're going to be in high school and not want to hang out with me as much. So uh, definitely looking to take advantage of, of, you know, having a flexible schedule, be able to do things with, with my family at this point. They've, they've sacrificed so much for my career uh, over the years. So a little bit, uh, I, I think, time to put some focus on them. And so coaching definitely doesn't, uh, it's tough, tough from, from that perspective. So, yeah, I mean, I, I am, I'm in looking into the broadcasting thing. You know, obviously there's different forms of that, as you all know. Uh, what does that look like? Um, obviously there's, there's potential opp- opportunities off the field as well. And what are those? Um, who am I working with? I mean, I, th- I think that's a big thing. You know, who, who are you working with? I mean, that's such a big mm-hmm. part of, of enjoying what you do in life. Um, I can't do nothing. I'm not just going to sit at home uh, 24-7 either. So just, just trying to find that balance, that life balance uh, of, of what do I want to do here in this next chapter, but obviously also spending quite a bit of time with my family. And well, kids. The great part is you've earned that. You could afford to do whatever you want to do. You are entitled to do whatever you want to do. It's a great spot that you've put yourself in. Now, during the off season, though, you did visit Jacksonville at one point. How, how close did. did you come to signing with the Jaguars? Like you could have taken that roster spot from Tim Tebow before he signed there. <laughs> uh, I was incredibly close. Um, that was the, that was the, you know, just honestly speaking, speaking, frankly, that, that, that was the place that I was really, uh, intrigued by, uh, really, really interested by, obviously it would have been crazy to get to play for coach Meyer again, you know, sandwiched between 16 <laughs> years, um, you know, and, and, uh, I'm still obviously so pumped for him and this opportunity and, and curious, like everybody else to see how it goes. He is such a unique person and unique coach. I think he, he brings so much to the table, and I'm, I'm anxious to see if it translates uh, to the NFL level. I think it will. And, and, and a bunch of mutual uh, friends uh, with, with Trevor Lawrence as well, and I've heard nothing but great things about him. So it was this unique opportunity to step into that role. I've worked with Trent Baalke as well, the GM there. So there were so many connections, I felt like, uh, and, and it definitely was, I felt like, calling out to me. Um, I think in the end, you know, uh, just trying to, to outweigh, you know, weigh out everything, you know, my kids, moving my family one more time, um, all those things, and, and obviously ultimately decided to, to step away. Well, if you wanted, you could have signed there. The job would have been yours. You would have been there working with Trevor Lawrence, correct? Yep. Yeah. It would have been amazing. It would have been my, it would have been my third time going to a team with the number one pick. Um, and wow. like I said, I, I've heard nothing but great things about Trevor and, and uh, that, that to me would only have been an upside getting to kind of, um, you know, work with him. Obviously, I, I'm very comfortable. I've been in the, I was the number one pick. I, I feel like I, I lived the what not to do. Uh, certainly don't want to see any other young guys go down that road and, and obviously have, have, you know, been a part of, you know, rooms where there is a transition and, and potentially a little bit of mentoring going on. And, and that's not something that, that, that scared me at all. But. Like I said, I, I think ultimately my 
you know, my kids' ages, where my family's at, just just really obviously that 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 won out for me in the end. But let me recap that. In 2005, you were the number one overall pick. Then you went to Kansas City, and in 2000, who who were the other number one overall picks that you work with? I'm trying to think. Who am I forgetting? Here? Oh no, I'm you saying, were the number one. I'm saying. I was the number one. Then I got traded to Kansas City, and we had the number one pick that first year. We took Eric Fisher uh, with the number one pick. Oh. So I, it was a part of two rebuilds, you know, from, from the team that was worst in the league. Uh, this would have been the third, uh, you know, obviously if I, if I had signed there. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, that, I think that part is also a, a positive, potentially being a part of a, a, a culture change, um, you know, turning an organization around. And, and, and like I said, I'm – you know, st- still still pumped to see what happens down there with Coach Meyer and, and uh, what he's trying to do. I think he has a great vision, um, you know, and obviously I'm hopeful it works out. You bring up 2005. You know what I remember about that year? I remember there was so much conversation about Aaron Rodgers going number one overall, and then somewhere along the way in that last week or two, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, you nose past him, and you wound up becoming the number one overall pick of the San Francisco 49ers, and Aaron Rodgers falls later in the first round to Green Bay. What do you remember about that? Yeah, I mean, it was a crazy time, you know, incredibly surreal. Aaron and I were both underclassmen and had come out, and, and uh, there, it was pretty fluid, you know. Obviously, there's less film on us as underclassmen coming out, and, you know, we're doing the workouts in the combine and that, and that whole thing. Um, yeah, and I, and I think both of us, you know, kind of shot up the board pretty quick there, and all of a sudden – this was still the day and age where the number one pick the team, you know, it was before the, the rookie kind of slotted thing. And the Niners, I think at that point, were already negotiating with several players, you know, Aaron and I included, I think they were also, you know, negotiating with Braylon Edwards and, and, you know, Antrell roll or something, somebody else wow. that was a, ended up, you know, obviously being a top pick. Uh, ultimately, yeah, the, it shook out the way it shook out. You know, I don't know what happened obviously behind closed doors with all these teams, um, you know, it's interesting the way that Aaron obviously slipped. He was the second quarterback off the board and slips all the way to, you know, with 24. Uh, crazy looking back at that. Uh, all those teams that, that, that passed on him, obviously, have a lot of them kicking themselves in, in hindsight. Um, you know, it was also a unique year. You had, I think we had three running backs going to top five. You know, when's the last time you see something like yeah. that happen? That, that's all changed. So funny the cycles of the NFL. But, yeah, it's a long, long time ago looking back at it. You probably never do this, but every now and then I do. You wonder how history would have been different if San Francisco would have used the number one overall pick on Aaron Rodgers. And it's interesting how two of the top quarterbacks in the game both felt spurned by San Francisco. Tom Brady always wanted to go there, be with his hometown team. Aaron Rodgers wanted to go there. They didn't use the number one overall pick on him. And you end up going to San Francisco. And it would have been interesting if they had taken Aaron at number one, right? No no doubt. You know, I, I think you – obviously the what ifs, it, 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 you know, it's – Sometimes you can go down that rabbit hole. Who knows? There's there's a thousand variables that play into, I think, all rookies that get drafted, where they go. I mean, you have no say in where you're going. Um, you know, the system you're running, the coaches you're around, uh, the players, your teammates, the building, the organization. Those are all variables that are outside of your control. Um, you know, and obviously the, the first part of our career is very, very different, Aaron and I. You know, obviously him getting to sit behind Brett Favre, one of the greatest of all time, and uh, at the point when he played, obviously a very different place than I was playing right away. I mean, I was 20 when I got drafted, uh, going to the worst team in football. And uh, it was rough. I mean, I took my lumps. It was something that I struggled with. I've been open about that. 
yeah. you know, being the number one pick, the, the expectations uh, and, and anxiety that I dealt with, you know, craving that validation, proving that I was deserving of the number one pick, um, you know, to be the franchise quarterback in, in the line of Montana and Young. You know, it was hard. It was hard for me as a young player. It was something I had never really dealt with in, in my football career. I'd really flown under the radar um, up until then. You know, I was a nothing recruit. I had one offer to go play college ball. Even when I went, I mean, when I went there, no one was expecting anything. So, you know, in the span of a couple months, obviously all that flipped pretty quick on me. And uh, it was hard. It was hard to deal with. Um, no doubt. I, it, it took me, you know, definitely a few years, I, I think, before I, I, you know, turned the corner mentally on, on dealing with that and dealing with those expectations. And again, kind of, you know, constantly being consumed with that validation uh, that, that I wanted, that I wanted to prove to everybody. And I was so worried about what they were thinking about me. I look back at your career now, now that you say that, I'm thinking of all the great quarterbacks and coaches that you got to work with during the course of your career. Urban Meyer, of course, in college, right? Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, Andy Reid, uh, Ron Rivera, whom I, yeah. I'm sure I'm missing somebody. And and then Patrick Mahomes and... Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, Cap, you know, was the first kind of mentorship role that, that I took on um, at that point in San Francisco with, with Coach Harbaugh. And then, yeah, you know, obviously getting traded and into Kansas City and my run there. You know, I had seven, seven coordinators in my first seven years, not exactly the way you want to want to draw it up, but but an opportunity to play for a ton of coaches, a lot of great minds. Yeah, so so lucky. Uh, you know, I've been around. There's a, there's a lot of ways to get it done. Um, learned a little bit, I think, from from all of them. You brought up Aaron Rodgers. Let's try your broadcasting skills. What's your take on that situation and how it's going to play out right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's so cr crazy that it, it's gotten to this to where we are. I think, uh, without a doubt, I, I think it's inexcusable that the organization let it get to this point. Uh, here you have a guy who's given you 16 years, his entire career um to you he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time arguably the greatest statistical quarterback of all time you're on the doorstep of the super bowl and you don't communicate with him and he obviously doesn't you know feel wanted there and you go ahead and draft a quarterback in the first round and it appears that he had no idea that was coming that wasn't communicated to him i, I just don't know how it's not so much what they did it's really how they did it and, and, and I think uh, so much is how you treat people and the respect. Um, I just don't know how that all wasn't. If, if you knew that was potentially a place you were going and taking a pick, taking, you know, quarterback first round, I don't know how that's all not ironed out with Aaron prior to the decision. And if it's not, you potentially don't make it. Um, here's a guy that's a multiple time MVP, still playing at a crazy high level. And I, I think, You've you got to take that into account. You know, oftentimes, you know, the personnel guys and, you know, they're looking at prospects, it's just prospects, and they're looking down the line. But you also know it's, it's a, it, is, it is about the people. And I, I do think you've got to, you've got to look at how you treat them, uh, the messaging, um, the, and the communication. I still go back to that. I mean, you've got to communicate. You've got to be able to go talk to your guys and make sure everything was, was good to go before you pull the trigger on something like that. And that's with everybody in the building, not just Aaron. I mean, I, I think you got to go out of your way to over-communicate that and, and make sure everybody's on the same page. When the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes, you knew in advance that was coming? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That had been communicated the entire offseason uh, leading up to that. The entire offseason. 
um, by multiple, multiple people, everybody in the personnel department, Coach Reed constantly, there were multiple phone calls about that happening. It happened with, with when we drafted Cap uh, with Coach Harbaugh. I, I, I knew, I knew in inv- well in advance of that what the team was thinking, uh, the route they were going to go. Um, and, and I think that makes a difference. It, it does. I mean, honestly, I, I, and, and in Aaron's case, I mean, yeah, going out of your way to obviously make, let him know how, you, how the team feels about him, how the organization feels about him, how important he is. Um, and that potentially they're thinking this route and, and obviously explaining their thinking. Um, clearly, obviously, uh, from an outside looking in, that, that uh, you know, that didn't, that didn't happen. It didn't take place. Before we get to Ophos, what are your thoughts on Colin Kaepernick and how that situation's played out over time? Yeah, uh, you know, it's so hard. I, you know, I spent the, his first years in the league. I was with him, and he was a young kid, and obviously just kind of getting, in, getting into the league and trying to get – you know, his footing and figure it out. Uh, but to watch, to, to know him, um, the person that he is, the player that he is, the work ethic uh, that he has in competitive drive and to see the, I think he played seven or eight games at the end of that season. If you include, include obviously the, the playoff run and the Super Bowl game. I mean, it was a historic level of play, hmm. um, you know, those seven or eight games. So, you know, for me then leaving and, and, you know, fast forward a few years and all of a sudden he's out of the league. Uh, what was, you, you couldn't explain it either. I mean, it, it just didn't, it didn't make sense. Uh, the path and trajectory that he was on, the talent that he had, the work ethic and competitiveness that he had internally, you know, and then to be out of the league, obviously it just doesn't make sense. You can't, you can't explain it. Um, baffling. I mean, the guy was a, I mean, he was, just, I mean, he was a stud. I mean, he was he was rolling. I mean, he still holds records. I mean, I still think back to the the Green Bay playoff game and like they had no idea what was going on and how to stop him. And he was just uh, and he was in his second year in the league and, and playing at that level. And I felt like you know it was only looking up for him. And so obviously, yeah, bumps in the road happen. But to 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 see him out of the league, at, you know, a few years later is is uh, it just like I said doesn't doesn't make any sense. Before I let you go, give me that Ofo story that you. Yeah. To tell to begin. yeah. So it, yeah. So it's, it's funny. Um, God, I first got introduced to UFOs probably seven years ago, eight years ago. And so in the off season, I started taking my, my family, we would go to Hawaii in the off season, you know, especially escaping some of those winters in Kansas city. And we would go out there and, and spend a decent amount of time out there. And, and I got introduced to doing a bunch of crazy stuff outdoors. I mean, you name it. I mean, I was doing a bunch of road cycling, <laughs> hiking, beach workouts, paddling you know I was I was on the go wow. and rolling and doing all these doing all these things that I had never done in life and uh it was a ton of fun you know like the amount of things you could pack in in a day uh, was crazy and and that's where I first got introduced to UFOs because I would pack all this stuff in a day and as you you can imagine obviously it takes a toll on your body and I ran into these sandals and they're they're really big on the island and they were kind of like this hey this like kind of recovery sandal and I'd never seen anything like it and I remember the first time I put them on and I remember you know, like a lot of football players, I have, I have some back pain I deal with kind of off and on and, and in my low back. And I remember the first time I put them on, it was like someone had taken like a release valve and released the pressure on my low back. And it was like, oh, my God, these things are amazing. And I, lo- I loved them. I wore them everywhere over there. Obviously, in Kauai, you kind of live in sandals. And uh, I remember I, I immediately brought several pair back to the Kansas City QB room. And um, at that point, I think it was like Nick Foles and, and Tyler Bray. And, and I'm like, I brought the sandals back. I'm like, you guys got to try these. These are crazy. And I kind of thought it was an island thing. 
you know, that was the only place I knew him. Turns out, obviously, the company's from New England. And, uh, but anyway, I just, I had tried them and I loved them. And that was, that's really where it went. And, you know, I, I kept a pair out there. I'd, I'd keep a pair with me uh, kind of wherever I went. And, and then fast forward to then I hurt my leg and break my leg and the infection and obviously the rehab. And it was hard. I dealt with a lot of pain um, in my lower body, a lot of foot discomfort daily as I kind of came back through the different stages. And, and same thing, like I just found I like, I was in the UFOs every day. I mean, I would, I would go do my, my physical therapy and rehab and push it as hard as I could. And, and I make these gains, but it would be hurt. I'd be hurting, you know, and for the rest of the day, you're sore. And, and I would, you know, come home and immediately, like, I, it wasn't even a conscious thing. I would just get in, get in my UFOs when I came home and I'd wear them around the house kind of the rest of the day. And so I make, I make the 53 man roster this year. And, you know, it's in the middle of COVID. I never thought I'd come back this far yeah. and I make the team. And I don't know if anyone saw my wife, my wife and kids and my, my sister were here and they do a small celebration for me. They, they did this like champagne shower. They surprised me with it. Um, so they called me out into the driveway and everybody's got a bottle of champagne and they're dousing the champagne. And of course I, I had practice earlier that morning and I'm in my UFOs like, like I always am. And so my wife puts it on Instagram and next thing I know, Ufos kind of reaches out to my wife. And that's like the first time we made the connection. And I'm, you know, I tell him the backstory, like I've loved the company way before my injury, but it's obviously wear him even more. And it kind of started a back and forth. And next thing you know, like, hey, they're they're interested in potentially connecting. And so, you know, obviously over the years I've done I've done a handful of endorsements, you know, being a you know professional athlete. And a lot of times there's not necessarily an honest connection, you yeah. know, and, and I hate, I hate that kind of false narrative that you know, you're pushing maybe something that's not really what you, you believe in. And for this one, it's so amazing. Cause as I get older, it's, it's, it's way more important to me to, if I'm going to do something like this, that it's real. I don't, I'm not, I hate, I want to be authentic, yeah. you know? And, and so for me, this one is like a win all the way around. Cause it's something that I believe in wholeheartedly and to get to, uh, kind of publish you know push this company out there a little bit let them get some attention because i think they're amazing i think the product is absolutely one of a kind it's killer anybody out there that's dealing with like if you're active or you're dealing with any kind of lower body pain aches and pains back pain like i mentioned uh give them a try i think they're i think it's amazing um so yeah it, it, it's so cool to kind of be here launching this uh like i said it it was it, it's a win-win all the way around it's a company that i i feel like I believe in the product. I love the people there, what they're about. And so uh, hopefully kind of uh, get the word out there. I'm eight and a half, Alex, if you want to get me a pair. Okay. I got you. It's coming on the way. Eight Done. and a half. Hey, Done. thank you very Done. much. I appreciate taking the time. It's an honor to get to speak to you. Congratulations on all your success. It was a treat to watch you and we will pay attention and cheer for you in the next chapter, whatever it is that we know it won't be coaching. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, thanks, man. Thank appreciate you, Alex. Appreciate you. And there he is, the great Alex Smith. What a journey he has been on. If you'd like more about Alex Smith, then go to ESPN Plus, which has a feature on Project 11, Alex Smith's final drive, which is the remarkable story of the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year. It is available on ESPN Plus. Go check that out. It's outstanding. And during the podcast, you'll notice that he mentioned the fact that his wife uh, would kill him. Well, the interesting part is that Shortly after he was injured, I remember getting the information that he might have to have his leg amputated, that his career could potentially be over. It was a big deal, and all the details were kept very hush-hush, and understandably so. And I remember getting some of this information 
having it come my way in the days when the injury was fresh and there still was a tremendous amount of concern and mystery about Alex Smith's future. And I reached out to a few people and what came back to me was, you better be careful. His wife is furious that you know, and you're going to have to deal with her if any of this information comes out. And I remember thinking, yeah, I don't want to upset Liz Smith. And she sounded angry that I knew some of the information that I did. And obviously it's a very sensitive time for their family. And so we held on to the information and they controlled the flow of that and felt like that was the right thing to do at that point in time, because everybody knew that Alex Smith was not going to play again that season and that he had bigger battles on his hand. I didn't want to give his wife one more to fight with me. That was not worth it. But when he said my wife wanted to kill me, give me a flashback to Liz Smith not being happy with me. So to a certain extent, I know that feeling. I know that feeling for my wife too, Alex. So there we go. All right. want to thank Alex Smith for joining us on the podcast this week. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting this whole thing together. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we are scheduled to speak with the great Kenny Maine about his retirement, about the great charity Run Freely that he runs, and, of course, his interview, his departing interview with the great Aaron Rodgers, his friend. So we started this podcast talking about Aaron Rodgers to a certain extent. We're ending this podcast talking about Aaron Rodgers to a certain extent. And I have a feeling that we will be talking plenty about Aaron Rodgers to a certain extent for the remainder of the summer. But until we talk again next week, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.